0: Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider.
1: Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski Schneider. Today I'm joined by Christian Banach. So thank you for joining us, Christian, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your business.
0: Well, first and foremost, Patty, thank you for having me on. Uh, My pleasure pleasure. To, to meet you. Of um, so, a little bit about me. Um, I am the owner of a business development and growth consulting firm. Uh, we work with top advertising agencies, marketing agencies, MarTech, ad tech companies, and we help them land six and seven figure opportunities predictably.
1: Nice. Very nice. Now, I guess tell us, in your opinion, why is relationship building becoming increasingly important for successful business development in today's market?
0: Yeah, well, I think the market has definitely changed. Um, I think, especially over the last couple of years. And when we're talking more in the B2B space, it really technology has accelerated the and empowered the buyers in new ways that they, you know, 10, 20 years ago didn't have. And what we're finding is that the sort of the old school way is very much thinking short term, generating leads, very transactional. And the reality of it is that's not how the larger B2B deals are really made, right? It's really based on relationships. And I think uh, a lot of times people rely on their past, you know, relationships that they have. But what we're um, really posing as an option for businesses is that there is a systematic way to build new relationships, and therefore drive your business development efforts in the future. And we call that relationship making. And Uh, It's really thinking more long term. It's about how to offer value first and foremost to prospects in order to, uh, you know, start that relationship. And then how are you going to nurture that relationship over time? And it's really a shift in mindset to match where the modern buyer is at.
1: Right, No, that's totally well said. I mean, and it makes total sense. I mean, people don't understand it's, yes, it's a business, but it's all about relationships. You're basically, you know, I always tell people focus on what's most important to you. You run your business. That's, that's what you do. But let me deal with the marketing aspect of it. But that is relationships because no one's going to want to um, either invest in you or use your product or whatnot. If they don't trust you, they don't know who you are, what you do, because you never know long term what, what's going on. So yeah, very well said. Now, can you share some key differences between traditional outbound prospecting strategies and the next-gen strategies that are proven to be more effective in 2023?
0: Yeah. Uh, So, you know, we do a lot of this with clients. Um, We advise clients on it and we do it for ourselves. So we have a, you know, really unique perspective on it. I've been doing outbound prospecting in some capacity for probably 10 years. I think the old school way would be obtain a list of some some way, shape, or form, you would send out kind of a big mass blast, you know, email. And 10 years ago, you were able to get some leads off of that. And people were interested. Uh, What we're finding more and more today that that just does not work anymore. So we've looked at is what we call next gen outbound prospecting. And there's a few, you know, key elements to this. So the first part of it is, um, foundationally, having a an awareness and demand creation program going in addition to your outbound prospecting. If you don't have awareness and you don't have any sort of demand for your services already in the market, your outbound efforts are going to be very, very challenging. Not to say that you can't still, if you have something really unique and different and interesting that you still can't cut through, but if you're like a lot of B2B companies where it is a little bit more of a commodity, uh, it's you're gonna be challenged um, unless you have already started to build some of that awareness and trust with the market first and foremost. So that's kind of foundationally something you need. But beyond that, more on a tactical level, The first thing is that mass email is no longer going to work. You really have to take a more account based approach that is very personalized down to the individual. So, you know, researching and having very close segments and researching those companies, what are the pain points they're experiencing, writing something very specific on how your product or service can uh, help solve a problem of theirs. Uh, And then beyond that, even looking at the individual and how are you, how is your, Product or service is going to make their lives, you know, better, and making that very clear in the message. So uh, the subject line needs to be personalized. The opening of the email needs to be, you know, personalized. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to be looked at as a, you know, mass blast spam type email. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, first and foremost, one, you know, key area. Uh, another area that we look at a lot is using technology. This is a lot of work, what I just described. Um, and the next thing I'm going to say is a lot of work, um, but there's a lot of um, tools out there that can really help accelerate this. So everything from using like sales engagement platforms and uh, different data intelligence platforms, there's, there's no reason, you know, that you're manually you know going into outlook and sending you know these emails and having to remind yourself on you know when should i send the next email so there's a lot of tools that will make this process a lot smoother Uh, Mm -hmm. same thing from a list development standpoint that'll also make things a lot smoother using some of these different tools Um, so technology embracing that the third thing is what we call smart list development Uh, so when people think about outbound prospecting uh, kind of what i described before they're thinking of maybe uh, okay, we want to win a client in this specific category. And then they go out and they build a list and they send out this email. Um, and that is what we call cold prospecting. And there's a place for that. But there's a couple steps before that, that people are often overlooked. And the first thing is your own networks. So what we first and foremost call it is warm outbound prospecting, taking a look at your own networks, whether that is the salesperson in an organization, the CEO, down to even the newest employees. You know, everybody's got networks. They they have friends. uh, Some are deeper than others. But that's the best place to start first and having a systematic approach then to reviewing who those contacts are in your network and having a way to stay in front of them and nurture them but that is oftentimes very much overlooked and that is the lowest hanging fruit so we always advise our clients let's start there the second place that we look at when we do kind of more smart list development building is where we actually will use technology again so there is tools like website visitor id tracking where you can install some code and it will tell you the companies that are visiting your website so these now are companies that are out there searching for search services like yours. They may be in different stages of the buyer journey, but you at least know that they have some awareness of you and they're searching for things like you. You could be on that. If you have an email newsletter, who's engaging with your newsletter? If you have a presence on social, who's engaging with your social media? So it's looking at these different intent signals that might be out there and building a list based off of that. Uh, I, and the, the great thing about those are again, you know that they're probably in market. They know you, but it's going to be limited, right? Um, even the biggest companies, it's going to be limited. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the warm prospecting; it's going to be limited. So we, while it's limited, doesn't mean not to do it. It just means you know you're going to probably at the end of the day still have to fall back on some cold outbound prospecting, and that's fine. Uh, we still see a lot of great results from that. But you also have to start first and foremost with the warm, and then also with the intent base. Don't overlook those. So. When we think about um, advanced outbound, you know, those are kind of three of the key things is really embracing technology, being hyper personalized and, you know, doing your list development in a much smarter way.
1: Nice. Yeah. A lot of things people don't fully understand. And especially with the connections, you know, obviously post COVID, so many people lost their jobs or branched out into different things. So, you know, it's not what it used to be. So yeah, any connections and any um, contacts that your team has is actually a huge um, starting point for sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't sometimes overlook is like you've mentioned, people have moved on to new roles at different companies. Uh, People that may have been more junior uh, have been promoted people that may have worked for you have might have moved on and gone client side. And I think a lot of people do a really good job of kind of collecting connections on LinkedIn, but right. very few are doing a good job of really nurturing and staying on top of those connections. So right. uh, definitely um, uh, if there's one big takeaway from, from this uh, podcast here, I would say, you know, start looking at your own networks.
1: Yeah, good words. Now what are some of the essential elements of a successful outbound prospecting campaign that can help businesses consistently land six and seven figure opportunities?
0: yeah so big question there uh there's a lot of components we've talked about uh, i think a couple of them here but just to kind of zero in on it i think the first thing that we always look at is uh, you have to approach this from being able to solve a problem and we call it a pivotal problem so it's really looking internally at your body of work um, and the type of clients that you win type of clients that you've lost and what problem are they coming to you to solve it in the first place? I need a website is not a problem. I don't have enough leads. I don't have enough revenue. That might be the problem. And the solution could be a website along with uh, many other solutions that could be out there, but really getting clear on the problems that you solve for clients first and foremost, because if you're going to be successful in outbound, you have to zero in on helping them solve a pain point. And Mm -hmm. ideally it's a pain point that is both urgent and important for them to solve because if it's not important and it's not urgent, then the likelihood of them receiving a cold email from somebody and responding to it is very slim. So mm-hmm. getting clear on the problems, then it's looking at the audience. So we talked a little bit about this before, but who is, is, who is experiencing this type of problem? What are the different characteristics of them? So you're gonna wanna build out an ideal company profile, um, who within those companies are experiencing the problem, so buyer personas, and develop really a very targeted list that is experiencing that problem. Uh, from there, in outbound, what you're going to want to then do is we call it a give to get, but we don't like to just advise clients um, to send out an email and say, hey, you know, we want to get 15 minutes in your calendar so we could tell you all about us and how great we are and our, you know, how awesome our office is and our people are so great you know, Mm -hmm. there's no value in it for the prospect themselves. So we advise our clients to let's take a look at your subject matter experts, your thought leadership, um, and let's develop something could maybe it's a free workshop, maybe it's a complimentary audit. Uh, Maybe you've done some original research, and you can share insights with them. Uh, Maybe you can provide some sort of PR opportunity, um, where you can help get uh, that executive, you know, on a podcast, um, or um, some other sort of, you know, opportunity. So mm-hmm. it's packaging your insights, and then going to the prospect and giving them something. And if, so you can get something back and what you want back from them is your time, you want mm-hmm. that 30 minute one hour call, so you can, you know, review and start to build that relationship. So that, you know, a lot of people want to jump right into like, all right, let's talk about sending out the email or how to do a cold call. But if you don't have those first three things, if you don't have that problem, the right audience, and you don't have that offer, that give to get, um, the likelihood, again, of your success in outbound is going to be very limited. So I would definitely start with the foundational elements for it. And then you can move into the more tactical side of the actual emails and the cold calls and whatnot.
1: Right. Yeah. Nowadays in the world, everybody, you know, everybody wants something. So you can't just knock on the door and everybody's going to open it. They want to know, what do you have for me? And it does build the trust. Like I did the same thing. I was giving away so much free information, but I'm like, I wanted them to trust me you know, learn who I am, see what I do. I mean, I don't want you investment invest money. So, you know, a lot of people are hesitant because they don't want to give anything away. But you have to build that relationship. They don't know you. Or even if they know of you, they don't know how good you are. You know, nowadays, you can buy great reviews. So it, you prove yourself, you know, so I agree 100%. Yeah,
0: and you, you know, you, you want to be smart about it. You know, when we're working with clients, it's How do you give them a taste without giving them the whole meal, right? Right. You want to give them enough so they can start to build that. First of all, to cut through second of all, so they can, you know, start to build that trust and see your expertise Mm -hmm. Um, but not enough where they could just take and run with it and, you know, do it all on their own. So where they would want to take next steps with you and that next step could be, you know, more of a paid type of engagement. And, and maybe it's not that six and seven figure, deal right out of the gates but right. maybe it's a smaller consulting type deal which could then lead into something much bigger uh, later
1: yeah for sure now how's the b2b buyer's journey evolved in recent years and why should agencies rethink their go-to-market strategies to cater to the new landscape
0: hmm. yeah there is a lot of changes that have happened i think when we're working with agencies uh, kind of the traditional way that most have grown is through word of mouth and referrals um mm-hmm a lot of these firms you know started maybe they worked at another agency and they had you know decided that you know what i want to do this on my own they leave uh, they look at their networks they get a couple of opportunities uh and next thing you know they have a business and some of those businesses just organically grow to be 5 10 people some of them have grown to be 100 people um, but inevitably we find that at some point they hit a wall and those uh, inbound and that word of mouth is just is just not enough, and they have not evolved their marketing, you know, promotions themselves. There's a joke in the industry that cobblers' kids, you know, have no shoes, and that's very <laughs> true of the agencies. Um, they have not taken the time to do the same type of work that they do for their clients, but for right. themselves. Um, but specific to the buyer journey, um, you know, I think. It was a little different back then, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, but now with the internet, there's the opportunity for these, if you're interested in a topic, you can just go to Google, you can go to ChatGPT now, and it can start Mm -hmm. answering, you know, questions, you know, for you. Um, So... Uh, it's really sort of leveled the playing field now where these buyers don't need to talk to a salesperson, an agency executive to get the information that they need. They can do, um, you know, there's a lot of different studies out there, anywhere from 60 to 80% of their buyer journey is done independently on their own before they even talk talked to a salesperson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you really need to have a presence, you know, on the internet uh, in order to, you know, get found, you know, by these individuals. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. And the other thing that has happened is this this process, this buyer journey isn't linear. People think about a funnel. Um, and yes, sometimes people do kind of follow a very traditional path, um, but a lot of times they don't. Um, they may come into your funnel through a webinar. Um, and then next thing you know, they're back on your website And then, you know, finance puts the brakes on whatever project it happens to be for three months. And then, you know, then they're back and they're on your website and they're on your email list. Like, so it's really convoluted over here. So uh, you really have to take in mind, you know, how that journey, you know, has become nonlinear. And ultimately the content that you're going to want to create is going to be content that is of each different stage of that buyer journey. So you're going to want to think about what do I need to do for a prospect that might be in a situation where I know I have a problem, but I'm not sure what the solution happens to be at this point. Mm -hmm. So where you're gonna wanna say, hey, I understand you're having these types of problems. Here's some ideas and some solutions. Then there's the next stage with a consideration where maybe they've narrowed it down to like, yes, I think this could be an interesting solution to my problem, um, but I need to know more about it. So here your content is really educating more about your actual solution. Mm -hmm. The last stage, which would be the decision-making stage, would be where now they know that they want to move forward, but they're considering you maybe among a few other similar firms. So Mm -hmm. how do you stand out? How are you different? So having content for each one of those different stages is really critical uh, and that will help meet the buyer, you know, wherever they happen to be at in the journey, because you don't always know where they're at in in the individual journey. So, right. um, so yeah, so the 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 journey has definitely you know changed fundamentally. But again, I don't think agencies um, and, and businesses as a whole really have uh, evolved themselves to really keep that in mind. Um, And the other thing that I'll I'll add on to that is even the channels that are out there now, there are so many different Mm -hmm. marketing channels. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is everything from email to events, there is TikTok, there's LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. there is radio TV. And you have to really have a deep understanding of your individual buyers to know where are they getting their information? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing to create all this great content. But if you're they're not seeing it, then it really, you know, it doesn't, it, if a tree falls in a forest, I don't see it did it really fall type of thing. Right. So, uh, and so the other part of that is really understanding the channels that they live in and making sure you have a mechanism to get that information in front of them.
1: Right. And I like a lot of times you need that outside person who can overlook because for an agency, you're just focused on helping your clients, but you're not seeing the outside. And I always even say that with clients, like, you know, I'm the middle, let me, I see, I'm the middle person between you and your your company and your audience, so let me help bridge that gap, and it's funny when you say with the cobbler and the shoes, because they always say, if you were a marketing agency for a marketing firm, that would be perfect, because marketers don't have time to market themselves, but they can market the heck out of their clients, so it's an awesome position that you're in, because everybody needs that, and if they're so busy working, 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 but you're seeing the outside view, you can help them, it's always like, help me to help you, sort of thing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, I think you brought up a good point about the outside perspective. Um, I, I think it's always difficult. Uh, you know, if, if anyone's ever had to even just on a personal level, you know, you know, write a bio for yourself, like it's tough. It's it's yeah. challenging. Where do you begin? You know, what do other people think are important? And I think for businesses is the same thing. It's hard to see the label when you're inside of the jar. So sure. having that outside perspective, yeah, I think is really, uh, is really critical and really valuable. Right.
1: Now, what are the top challenges that agencies face when adopting their go-to-market strategies for today's B two B buyer, and how can they overcome these obstacles?
0: Mm. I think what we just talked about is 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 one um, is having that outside perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you're just so involved in the business that it's oftentimes again hard to see you know the the tree for the forest. Um, uh, I think that expression you know really resonates here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one area. I think um, the another one that comes to mind is you know, we talked a little bit about content earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but having the ability to produce um, the level of content that is necessary uh, is also a big you know is a big challenge. you know it's one thing to know that you need to have this content. And I think a lot of agencies get it that they they do know that they that they need to be doing this, but finding the bandwidth in order okay. to do it is often you know times you know very challenging for them as well um I think there's others that you know when we look at this you know we always look at you know this relationship making as we call it as two uh like a yin and yang right you have to have an awareness and demand creation piece but you also have to wait to capture that demand Um uh, we think you know when we're talking about creating this content you know same thing you know you can create the content but especially if we're talking bigger enterprise level deals there's just so much out there to just expect the CMO of some huge company to stumble upon your website and uh, you know, read your blog and be so excited about it that they're now gonna reach out and want to work with you is probably fairly slim. It happens, but it's slim. So you have to have a a, a way to get that message in front of them directly and um and and beyond that uh it's then how are you going to like kind of capture that demand that you've that you've built up and you know there are a lot of really great ways to do that you know you can get very super targeted on linkedin with ads that can go directly to your buyer persona you can do outbound prospecting that could get the message directly in front of them so there's you know ways to do that but again i think some agencies um, the ones that at least get a little bit further along in the process. they create the content, but then they're like, oh, this didn't work. Nobody, you know, came in. Well, they're missing the piece of actually going out there and capturing that demand. Right. or conversely, they may have they may want to come to a firm like ours or they hire uh, an SDR of some sort, a sales development representative, but they haven't taken a step to actually build any sort of demand or content. So right. um, and they're, they're so there's no built up demand then for what they're offering. So, right. I think you know when you're thinking about the go-to-market, you know you can't, you know, leave off these two different pieces of the demand creation and demand capture side, uh, and and I think the last point that I'll have here is that you really have to have a point of view on something. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to take a stand, uh, and otherwise, there's just so much competition out there, uh, and the likelihood is many of these brands that you're talking to are probably already working with somebody. Um, so if they're going to switch and move with you. Uh, you have to demonstrate that you're able to do something different. You're thinking different about their problem, uh, and I think when we've seen agencies be able to take a stand and have a strong point of view, uh, their message tends to cut through um, a lot faster and a lot more effectively than those that are just really vanilla.
1: Right. No, it totally makes sense. And there's a lot of um, a lot of you know pieces to the puzzle, and people don't understand that. You know, and even like you say, if you're dealing with if you're a marketing agency dealing with clients. It's different than trying to promote yourself because you have, yeah, I mean, it's cool. And again, you need that outside person who, you know, has their hands in the mix and can say, okay, you're missing, you know, these, these few pieces, let me help you. So great. Now, can you provide examples of businesses that have successfully reimagined their go-to marketing strategies and what can we learn from them experiences?
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, a couple, a couple examples that come to mind. You know, I think there, there are businesses out there that uh, one that comes to mind is one that a uh, very small organization that does video production. Uh, very c- typical example, right? They grew through word of mouth and referrals um, and the founder was really stuck in the business, um, you know, versus being able to work, you know, on the business. And we um, we engaged with them and were able to first and foremost, um, help them develop and understand what their what the different audience segments that they should you know be in. And we looked at things such as where was the biggest growth? Where do they have expertise, first and foremost? And then where were their bigger growth opportunities? And for them, it was looking at uh, pharmaceutical companies and technology companies. They had experience. There was a lot of growth opportunities in it. Now, granted, they had done over the years, I think they've been around for maybe 10 plus years. They had worked in probably 20 different business verticals. But in order to start somewhere, we really needed to focus on one or two different areas first and foremost. So um, so that was really key. Um, then very similar to what we've talked about here, we started looking at what is some of the different content that we're going to be needed. So part of that process is really thinking about, all right, so at these technology companies, at these um, pharmaceutical companies, what are the questions that these buyers are asking themselves along the journey? Uh, related now to video production. Why would, you know, why do they need video, you know, and, and mm-hmm. taking it a step further, like do they even need video in the first place? So um, so that was a really good um, exercise that we worked through and we were able to narrow that down and start developing a content, you know, strategy for them. Uh, we looked at the channels, um, like we've talked about here today. Um, in their case, it was LinkedIn um, was a big one. Uh, the agency actually had their own podcast at one point and we looked at, you um, trying to decide if that was uh, an area that they wanted to resurrect. And ultimately the conclusion was no, um, you know, we didn't feel like the timing was right for it. And I think part of a go-to-market isn't just about what we are going to do. It's also about what we're not going to do. And that's part of strategy is being able to say no to certain things. Uh, now it's not to say that that might not be something that we're exploring a year from now or two years from that now, but for right now, that wasn't really uh, the area mm-hmm. Another thing we looked at is the founders themselves, um, and one in particular, the one that I mentioned was working too much in the business and not on the business. So uh, part of that go-to-market was how do we help him move outside of that role? Um, and that was something more on their side where they really needed to hire some internal people that would help support him, uh, which they now have. And then they were able to, you know, he was now able to start to build up his own presence on LinkedIn and really start to be a thought leader uh, in the space. And the idea here is then that now he is going to be going out and doing more speaking engagements and other things. So he can be more of the, uh, the front man, if you will, of mm-hmm. the individual uh, organization. So um, yeah, I can kind of keep going on <laughs> and on about, you know, some of the interesting things that they're doing. But um you know they I'm, I'm happy to say that we just heard they landed a big pharmaceutical company um already nice. this is probably only about six months into the the journey um nice. so you know a lot of um you know more room to grow uh, mm-hmm. but I, I will say one thing with the go-to-market is you know we we will set sort of a strategy um initially uh we are going to experiment we're going to look and see what's working what's not working those things that are working will let's double down and scale Those that aren't let's decide is it is it not working do we need to make a small change and uh, or do we make it need to make a total different pivot um Mm -hmm. so these are living and breathing things so you know as they continue to evolve down this path their go-to-market it continues to evolve uh, as well
1: very nice now what advice do you have for agency owners who want to develop their personal brand to drive their business growth and establish themselves as an industry leader
0: Yeah, well, um, I could use an example even of myself, Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, a little bit about my background, you know, so I owned a event promotions business, Uh, we did concerts and uh, experiential events. And uh, at that business, uh, I was really, uh, people actually joked and called me the Wizard of Oz, Um, you know, (laughs) we did these incredible events, we had Lady Gaga and Pitbull and all of these things. um, And nobody knew who really the man was, you know, behind, you know, all of this. And on the other hand, I had looked at some of my competitors and who were a little bit more front and center to the business, and I just felt like you know there were some opportunities that they were getting that I my business, so I think was you know, uh, lack of a better term, a better business. Um, but I was lacking some of the same opportunities that they were give, that they were getting because of their personal brand that they put on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when I launched this business. Um, I decided, you know, I'm going to go the opposite direction as what I did. There's no Wizard of Oz, you know, here. Mm-hmm. So I actually, you know, branded the company Christian Banach, you know, my name. Um, mm-hmm. And the idea was uh, in, in part what I just described, but also, you know, in the B2B space, you know, it's, it is sort of a boring, cold, you know, faceless type of, you know, industry. Uh, and we've talked a lot about trust. Um, so, putting a person behind it, I think, uh, has been really valuable. uh, Because part of the some of the tactics that I like to do is, you know, I have an email newsletter, but it's penned for me. Um, And I write a little bit of a motivational type story that talks a little bit about my life. uh, And they see my pictures and my face and all of that. And when I get on sales calls, now, Uh, The first thing, these people feel like they know me already, and I've never met them before. So we've already broken down some of those initial barriers that a cold, you know, campaign might have by using a personal brand. Uh, So I've obviously taken it to, you know, totally other end of the spectrum by actually branding my company that I don't think you have to necessarily do that. But having your Um, senior leadership, you know, out there, visible, active on social media, doing speaking engagements, being on podcasts like they're like we're on the one will also have the same type of effect of humanizing your brand, building that personal relationship with people, especially in longer forms like this, you know, podcast where, you know, after sitting there listening to someone talk for 30 minutes, an hour, you do start to, you know, get a little bit of a flavor of who they are. um, And, I I bet there's people out there that um, you know my personality or whatever don't doesn't jive with, uh, and that's fine. But there is definitely a percentage that you know do like who I am, and I would rather have you know. Even one percent of the market really excited to want to work with me and jive with me, then take the safer route and hide behind a corporate brand and have nobody, you know, interested in in that brand. So, mm-hmm. um, so yes, yeah, so I definitely advise um, and and think that you should always think about a strategy of again, how are you going to get your senior leadership team out there to humanize that brand and and really kind of build that you know relationship in a digital space, um, mm-hmm. which will then help that in real life type of uh, relationships as well.
1: Right. And I think it is important because I know years ago I was working with clients around the world and they couldn't always come into to say for a road show or whatnot. And you say, okay, do a 15 minute video chat. Just give them, you know, manager's commentary or what's going on in the market. Because seeing somebody, you can see their emotion. It's not like, you know, nowadays you might have the, you know, the assistant executive writing everything as the CEO. They don't know who's real. So now seeing you and, and getting to know, like you say, getting to know your vibe, you know, you'll see it. it it's so, so, so important. And I agree with that hundred percent because people want to know that you're real. They want to, like I said, I went to a meeting one time and there was a portfolio manager who had done an investment. It didn't work out that great. And he was just open and honest. He's like, Hey, I took a chance. I thought we could make great money on this. Didn't work out the way I wanted, but that's okay. I reshuffled the portfolio and now we're doing great, blah, blah, blah. I had so much respect for this man because it's we're all human you know, he took a chance, he just, but people got to see him. And we're like, Hey, he has our best interests at heart." We really appreciate that. So really, really important.
0: Yeah, yeah. One thing I'll add on to that is that I've kind of discovered along the way is, uh, you know, I write these uh, posts on LinkedIn and, and put them in my newsletter. And the ones that perform the best, uh, and by perform, I mean, the ones that generate the most, you know, emails back and, and, and comments back, are the ones where I'm really vulnerable, where I sh- I don't just share the successes that I had, but the failures, the failures are the ones that actually tend to drive the better engagement. And I think, it again, it sort of humanizes, you know, who you are. So uh it, it was tough. It was challenging to sometimes write about those things because mm-hmm. you want to position yourself, right? I'm the expert, Um, you know, and so to say that you failed at certain things mm-hmm. seems a little bit contradictory, but I will tell you that you know, from a, a relationship building standpoint and from an op- authenticity standpoint, uh, those you know post and sharing those types of things go a long way. so uh, a yeah. little bit of a takeaway there.,
1: No, it's awesome because especially with an entrepreneur who's starting a company or whatnot, you don't ever want to say you failed at something. but I love like doing interviews where people will always ask you, you know what's the difference? what have you learned? blah blah blah. And it's it's great to say, well, I, my God, I didn't know that this, you know, when you're an employee or you're a business owner, totally different things get thrown at you and like, wow, you know, and I learned the hard way how to do this, this. And, you know, so people are like, wow, now I don't feel alone because I'm dealing with the same thing, but I couldn't say anything. So it does, it personalizes and makes you a real person, which is awesome. Yeah. So now looking ahead, what do you think the future of business development and agency world will look like? And how can businesses adapt to remain competitive and successful?
0: Oh, I wish I had a crystal ball. (laughs) Um, So I'll I'll do my best to kind of pull it out here. Um, I think, you know, I'll I'll start a little bit with uh, what might be seen on negative light. I think it's only going to get more challenging, first off. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think things are going to suddenly get, you know, easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, So technology is going to continue to provide some challenges in that if you're, trying to again do like an outbound prospecting inboxes are just going to get more cluttered spam filters are gonna and and call blockers are going to make it harder and harder to get you know in touch with prospects uh, we already know that there's changes happening with Apple and Google with you know cookies and being able to reach them digitally so it's going to be more and more challenging to reach out so that's not going to change and that's only going to probably accelerate. But on the other end, if you are open to some of the things that we've even talked about here today, and think about more of a long-term mindset, and you know, shift the focus away from you know the short-term transactional leads, and really invest in a longer-term point of view, um, a longer-term way to start building relationships. I think that's where things are really you know going, and in some ways, that's how they've always been. Um, but I think we. For a period of time, there was some easier ways that maybe you can get it, but we're kind of back to you know where it's where it's been. It's it's again going to back to about relationships, but you know you have to also bring that into the 21st century and use technology and again some of the things that we've talked about today to be able to do it at a a scale that's still necessary to you know grow your business um, you know in a more you know strategic way.
1: Now is there anything else you want to talk about your business? Anything new that's going on or?
0: anything no not necessarily i mean i i think um you know we've covered a lot of uh the areas of, of what's new i mean this is you know to, to show some vulnerability i mean this has been a, a an evolution for us and when we first started you know we were very much focused more on just the outbound prospecting and you know not necessarily at the same level as we're doing it today. But, you know, we recognize that things are changing. And, you know, it's not enough to, to do what we're doing. And we've evolved and continue to evolve. I'm sure if we were to talk again in six months, you know, yep. I would have a whole lot of other ideas. So, right. you know, I think we, we got to constantly be willing to accept what's working, accept what's not and continue to innovate, um, because the pace of change is only accelerating. And that's not going to change um, in right. my eyes.
1: No, I agree 100%. I always say you have to evolve with the times or get left behind. It's just the way it is.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, now how can people get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, I would say the best place would be our website. So, ChristianBanach.com. That's B A N A C H.com. On there, if you've liked anything that you've heard, we do have a free masterclass. You can you know sign up there and it'll go into what we talked about a little bit deeper. Uh, we also have a, a newsletter. I mentioned a little bit about the, the Monday motivation post that I have. You can sign up there. That's also completely free. Uh, so there's a couple different channels. Um, if you want to connect with me directly, uh, I can be reached on LinkedIn. Christian Banak, you can search me up there. I think I'm the only Christian Banak on LinkedIn, <laughs> but I'm sure you could figure out which one I am if there's others. Uh, yes. But yeah, if, if you want to even send me a message directly and uh, you know comment on or have any questions on what I talked about today, I'm happy to answer uh, any questions to the best I can.
1: Nice. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Again, that was Christian Banak. Thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again. Thanks,
0: Patty. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.